0: And turn in your Bibles or your devices, wherever you have your Bible, Uh, tune in to John chapter 8, verses 37 through 47. And I guess if I didn't have to title a sermon toward the start of the week, and I always think of a better, more catchy title for a sermon afterward, I would call this one Speak of the Devil, because that's what we're going to do this morning. And so... John 8, 37 through 47. It's a dialogue that Jesus is having with the Jewish religious leaders who are plotting to kill him. And it starts out with him speaking, and he says this, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be present with us, help us to dig into your word together by your Holy Spirit, help us to understand if there's any kind of a language barrier at all, we thank you that you can break through that. Help us as we listen, help me as I preach, and may your good work be done in the hearing of this sermon. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a singer that some of you might be familiar with. Died in an airplane and crash in nineteen seventy-nine. Kind of a California beach hippie type. Uh, start of maybe some of the Jesus music. Uh, we've sung songs that he and his wife have written in here uh, created me a clean heart, O Lord, and Renew a Right Spirit Within Me, those kind of scripture songs uh, Keith Green wrote. But he wrote some funny ones, and he did some good teaching. And he's got a song written from the perspective of the devil. Kind of sounds like a C.S. Lewis thing. Maybe that's where he got the idea. But his song was called, No One Believes in Me Anymore. And he says, my job keeps getting easier as time keeps slipping away. I can imitate the brightest light and make the night look just like day. I put some truth in every lie to tickle itching ears. You know, I'm drawing people just like flies because they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour. They're falling by the score. You know, it's getting very simple now because no one believes in me anymore. And he gives some of his lies. Oh, heaven's just a state of mind, my book read on your shelf. And have you heard that God is dead? I made that one up myself. They're dabbling with magic spells. They get their fortunes read. They heard the truth but turned away and followed me instead. I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their doors. No one's watching for my tricks since no one believes in me anymore. He said, everyone likes a winner. With my help, you're bound to win. Hey, man, you ain't no sinner. No, you've got the truth within. And as your life slips by... You believe the lie that you did it on your own. But don't worry, I'll be there to help you share a dark eternal home. And he goes on to say, no one believes in me anymore. You preach a a sermon about the devil, you talk about the devil, and no one, uh, people say, what a joke. Isn't the devil, isn't that, uh, didn't Sammy Davis Jr. play the devil with his little uh, pitchfork and his little red costume? I'm not going to believe in that. But it's not true for the Christian. We understand and we're going to look at the devil this morning and what Jesus said about Satan. So I came in this morning and I was talking about, hey, we're going to speak of the devil this morning and these poor deacons that have to be here uh, and listen to me in the morning. And one of your deacons said this. He said, God's devil, a defeated devil, the devil that God has on a short leash. And I said, that's good. I'm glad we've got deacons in this church that understand that and believe that. That's part of the sermon. One time, a long time ago, when I was a young man, I think back in the potato chip salesman days, back in Frito-Lay in Pensacola, somebody described a church in Pensacola. They said, that's a church full of devil worshipers. And I said, what? Devil worshipers in a church? How can that be? we got to expose this. What do you mean? And they said, they talk more about Satan than they do about Christ, and they almost fear Satan more than they, and his power, more than they fear God. And in that sense, in giving Satan omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence, they are worshiping the devil. So, well, that makes sense, but I'm glad you explained it. Um, That's not what we're doing here. But we are going to look at our Bible. There's a lot of text that I will reference. If you take notes, get your pen ready. We are going to see what does the Bible say when Jesus said you are of your father the devil. What is he talking about? What should be our approach to the Bible's teaching about Satan? First of all, we need to understand point number one. Jesus believed in the devil. Therefore, so should you. In our day, the idea of a personal devil is dismissed by the broader culture. Uh, even in 1995, this was a famous survey by the Barner Group. 1995, what is that, about 30 years ago or so? Uh, in America, 62% of people agreed with this statement. Quote, Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. 8% had no opinion, 30% uh, disagreed. Jesus would have been in the 30% group. Satan is a living being and is not a mere symbol of evil. Secondly, under Jesus' believing in the devil, while Christians don't minimize their own culpability for sin, their own guilt... By blame shifting to the devil, they also don't ignore the fact that there is a Satan who affects the world. Now, here's a funny thing. I went back and read my notes. You know what I wrote first? I changed it to to make it right where it says there's a Satan who affects the world. But I originally wrote, there is a Satanic element that affects the world. See, even I'm doing it. I don't want to talk about Satan. I want to talk about satanic elements. I want to talk about and minimize. No, the Bible says there is a real devil, a real Satan. Traditionally, Christians say, um, let's say if, if if I just said, all right, whoever gets this question right gets to be first in line for all that good food, including the true shepherd's pie that awaits us after the service. Uh, And you got to get this right, and we'll have a drawing of all the winners. What traditionally, what traditionally are the the three enemies of the Christian? Church has taught this for centuries, and it's true. You've got three enemies. You go, well, my own worst enemy is myself. Well, okay, you want to say the flesh? Uh, that, that would work. But the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's just tradition. Now, there was a comedian back in the 70s. I looked him up and read and I remembered some of it. And Grew up in a house that mostly didn't have a TV but we watched TV at Grandpa's but we never watched this show. It was either on at a different time or, or something good like Mannix was on at the same time or something. But we never saw this comedian. But... Uh, he was famous. He would dress up in a, in a dress sometimes. That was kind of his alter ego, called Geraldine. And Geraldine would say two things. Uh, she would say uh, catchphrases in American culture at that time. What you see is what you get, was one of them. And the other one was, the devil made me do it. And I remember saying, I was just playing a game with my brothers or somebody, and I was just saying, the devil made me do it. Because I didn't watch the show, but it, culture, culture hit me. And boy, my mom sat me down and she lovingly explained to me that that wasn't going (laughs) to fly. And when I stood in front of God or when I stood in front of Dad, uh, we can say there's a devil. But we can't say, well, the devil made me buy this dress, as Geraldine used to say. Uh, The devil made me do it. Um, We believe in a devil. We don't laugh at the devil. We take the devil serious. But we also understand that even if Even if the devil said, I'm going to check out and go on vacation right now. um, We know, don't we, that this would still be a very wicked world. And that we do damage to ourselves. And this world system is wicked. And our flesh, we do only evil continually. And so we don't uh, take this uh, devil lightly, but we don't make him uh, more serious than he is. Be aware of the devil. Be aware that there is a supernatural element at work in this world. And sometimes, though the individual is responsible, there is a a devil and a satanic element that's succeeding in its work of temptation. But understand this. Satan is not omnipotent. By omnipotent, what do we mean? Satan is not all-powerful. There's one who is all-powerful and it's not Satan. Satan is a created being, same as you and I are created beings. There's God, and there's everyone, everyone and every being else. Satan is not omniscient, meaning Satan doesn't know everything about everything. Not even close. Another one that's good for us in a sermon like this is to remember and realize Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. Um, He cannot be. Only God is that. But Satan is real. Satan hates Jesus and Satan hates you. I looked this one up too. Back when Paula and I were in college at our uh, more of a kind of a fundamentalist leaning Baptist college, um, we would have a speaker that came in. I really liked this guy. Sad to find out that he'd passed away about 10 years after they would have him come in and speak. But he was a tall man. And he planted a church called Dixie Baptist Church, which you would think was somewhere in the South, but it was in Michigan. Uh, But Dixie Baptist Church, and their slogan is still, come join us in the heart of Dixie. But this man would lean over, and all of us, it required chapel services, and he was tall and he would kind of lean. He didn't have a pulpit like this. But he would lean over and he would go, young person, Satan hates you. And his face and his features were such that you could almost think it was Satan himself talking and saying that. Um, It's true. It's true. Satan hates God. Satan hates the people that God loves. Satan hates what God loves. Satan hates who God loves. Don't minimize the fact that there's a real devil, that there are, though he's not omnipresent, he's got ones working for him. The scripture talks about the demons and the angels that fell and, and all of that. There is a, a, a dark, sinister side to things that are going on. Okay, here's my favorite Winston Churchill quote. Those of you, if you, if you say this is the hundredth time I've heard it, I'll give you a medal or something. Here's what Churchill said during World War II. He said, there is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, demands our attention. And he was right when he said that. Whether we want to think that there's a spiritual something going on in this world or not, Doesn't change the fact that there is. And much of what we uh, uh, pass off, much of what we uh, take, much of what we do to uh, ignore that fact um, can't make it not true. The spiritual is true, the spiritual is real. And Jesus is your God. And Satan hates Jesus. They're not the equivalent. i got to say this again. It's not in my notes, but I was a young, skinny Frito-Lay guy at the back of the food line or whatever it was down in Pensacola. And I always liked the way this backdoor clerk, uh, the way he interacted with the people and the way he talked. And, and he had a funny way of putting things. And I, I enjoyed his phrases. I still think, think of some of them. So I'm a young guy getting started. I'm listening to what everybody says and how they say it. But I checked in my order of potato chips, and he said, ah, oh, three copies. One for the manager, one for corporate, one for God, one for the devil, one for... And, and I, I laughed at how he said, one for God and one for the devil. But you think about it. Uh, in our mindset, we almost kind of put God and the devil on the same level like that guy did in his funny way. Now, you've got God. The devil is real, uh, but the devil is not God. Here's some Old Testament references to the devil. Uh, This is not just one of these things that pops up in this section only. Here's some Old Testament references that talk about Satan and the devil being real. The Bible presents them as real. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's 1 Chronicles 21.1. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. Here's Job 1.12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that Job has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Zechariah 3, 1 and 2. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Here are some New Testament references to the devil by people other than Jesus. I'm trying to lay out a case that this is not something that's just a fly-by-night doctrine. Acts 5.3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? acts twenty six eighteen to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins romans sixteen twenty the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet first corinthians seven five this is regarding the physical relationship between a husband and a wife that the Bible approves of and wants. And here's Satan right there in the middle of a marriage in in the middle of a bedroom. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come back together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Satan's watching for every opportunity. 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. 2 Corinthians 11.14, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 1 Timothy 5.15, for some have already strayed after Satan. Here's John 13.27, then after Judas had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. And I saved the best one for last. Here's the best New Testament reference about Satan. The best biblical reference about Satan is saved for last. And it's a good one. We can be happy about this. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Old Testament, New Testament, devil, Satan. You cannot say that there's not a real devil. Jesus had some statements, and these all, there's just four of them, and they'll be quick. Uh, Jesus' statements about Satan in the New Testament. Matthew 4.10, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Mark 4.15, And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Luke 10.18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Luke 22.31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might shift you like wheat. You must, if you have not before thought about this, or if it's been a long time, or you just live your life without understanding, there is a demonic, dark side. You need to come to grips with that and realize that. And the forces are aligned against you. They hate you. They want your marriage busted up. They want you to, to, to uh, be miserable, lose your job, or be miserable by keeping your job or whatever. And they, they, there's so much against you in the world and the flesh, but there is a devil who is your enemy. So Satan believed in Jesus. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. Jesus believed in Satan. He believed in his existence, that he was real, that he fell, that he's the enemy of all things godly and good. But now we get to our text. Where do these upright pillars of society, these wonderful religious leaders, these these Pharisees and scribes, where do they fit in with this? Where do these Jewish religious leaders fit in. Why would Jesus say to them? Didn't say it to the common, regular people that he encountered. But why would he say to them, you are of your father, the devil? So here it is, Tom. I told Tom, but I didn't tell Gordon. I've got a Yankees illustration. And so so I said, that'll pick you Yankees fans back up at least. And it involves the Red Sox. Back in the day, there was a pitcher for the Red Sox. Colorful guy, good guy. He was very, very good. And in his day, uh, and his name was, uh, who was he? Pedro Martinez. Remember Pedro Martinez? Tackled Don Zimmer? What a coward to do that. But Pedro Martinez and the Red Sox were having this great year. And they were super, back in 2004, coasting to the pennant. And the Red Sox came into Yankee Stadium, and the Yankees had them for lunch. And the one, only Kurt Schilling saved the Red Sox. But Pedro, the Red Sox fans were excited. He's going to pitch twice in this series. And the, and the Yankees just ate him up as if he'd been some minor league call-up. And they had an interview with Pedro Martinez afterward. It's really funny if you go and look at it on, on YouTube or something. Um, he, I, I remembered him saying, the Yankees just keep beating on me all the time. They're just like my daddy. Uh, and I guess he grew up in the DR, and he had a pretty strict father, and he, his dad was beating him. He said, the Yankees are like my daddy. Now, how it really went in the actual interview, he said, um, what can I, after he talks about how he doesn't know why they keep beating him and beating him, but he says, what can I say? just tip my hat and call the Yankees my daddy. And they had beaten him. And the funniest part was those Yankees fans and the bleachers, that, and I remember seeing this. Uh, they all wore T-shirts when he ne- next pitched, Who's Your Daddy? And so we're getting into a section here. I thought maybe I'd call the sermon Who's Your Daddy instead of speak of the devil. Uh, Jesus and the leaders are going to talk about who's your father, who's your dad, who is it, And if you get to this section, you've got to look at your text. So verses 37 and 38. I knew your offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. He says his word found no place in them. He says I'm the son of God, and you're not children of God. They had a good earthly pedigree. He's not knocking them being descendants of Abraham, but he's saying, you're not even living like your father, Abraham. He said, you wouldn't be seeking to kill me. You're a son of God. Seeking to kill Jesus, the son of God, is not compatible with one who claims to have Abraham as his father. Today, we could ask the question, not of those Jewish religious leaders, but of people flocking into churches People who may even be officers in churches, who may even be pastors, who write these sermons that you read about, and you go, what in the world is that? That has nothing to do with the Bible. In fact, it's anti-Bible. But they've got the pedigree. They've got the religious this or that. They've got the uh, MDiv or the doctor of this behind their name. And you could say, you're claiming to be Christian, but you are killing the whole understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do for his people you're killing him and the princess bride vizini continually was saying inconceivable 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 and finally enigo montoya says to him you keep using that word i do not think it means what you think it means and just because a person says I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. We can say, you keep using that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Romans 2, two twenty-eight and 29, Paul is addressing this with some of those same Jewish leaders or the people who are counting on their birth. Uh, God's word says in Romans 2, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And that argument that unfolds throughout Romans where he's saying Jew, Gentile, grow up with the word, grow up in church, know the words to every hymn, uh, have scriptures memorized, but not a Christian in your heart, or somebody who grew up On the outside, who's uh, atheist, agnostic, or or whatever, he says same thing. You all need to get right in your heart, no matter where you come from. You need to repent of your sins. You need to put your faith in Jesus, who made things right for you on the cross. Verses 39 through 41, uh, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me, etc., etc. The point is, God's people act like God's people. If God's saved you, even though you continue to sin, there's a growth, and there's something that changes. Seeking to kill Jesus, that's not acting like God's people. Abraham responded differently than these so-called sons of Abraham were responding. What was it about Abraham that these people uh, weren't getting? Well, Romans 4.3, th- three verses that basically say the same thing about Abraham in the New Testament. Romans 4.3, for what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Galatians 3, six. just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. James 2.23, and the Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Um, Abraham believed God. These people who claimed to be sons of Abraham didn't believe God. And so what did they do? What did they do? This is the To me, this is kind of funny. They did what people did. This is a who's your daddy type moment. Look what they did. They knocked Jesus for his virgin birth and, and for the rumors that had been going around about Mary and Joseph and all that. They said, um, where is this? This is in verse Forty-one. they said to him we were not born of sexual immorality we have one father even God thinking they were going to taint that part of Jesus life that's what they were saying then you, uh, you child who doesn't even know who your dad probably is and lucky for you Joseph came along didn't even know didn't even realize uh, Jesus had no earthly physical father he was conceived by the by the Holy Ghost. And all they did with their insult was revealed more and more that their hearts were hard and they had no idea who Jesus is or was. And I would just say to all of us uh, who, who I love, make sure you know who Jesus is, what he did, and what the point of Jesus was. And if you have to resort to some kind of an insult. um, That shows you've lost the argument and you don't understand what's going on. So their response to demean Jesus for his parentage. Meanwhile, we all know that if you put somebody down, usually it's to put yourself up. And they're, again, bragging about their own birth and who they were born to in their family tree. And yes, they might have had a blood connection to Abraham, but it stopped there. So verses 42 through 44, shifting from who's your physical father to who is your spiritual father. 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. God was your father, you would love Jesus. Not going to try and score cheap points and say, "Do you love Jesus?" I know you do. But it's not a bad idea. In fact, it's a great idea every now and then to even tell Jesus that you love him. We love him because he first loved us. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. He said, "If you God was your father, you would love him." Jesus was sent from his father to do a mission. He says, "Dad trusted me." Uh, God the Father trusted me. I shouldn't have said that probably. I don't want to make it too too cheap, but God the Father, my Father trusted me, and I'm here on, on the Father's mission. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. God the Father giving the Son up for us all. He said, you're not capable of hearing my word. Uh, if you're not of God, you can't hear my word and understand it. That's why sometimes... Um, some of these big quote-unquote churches have to do all sorts of things to entertain the folks. I sent out, (laughs) it was crazy, sent out a a, a video to our elders. Uh, This was a Super Bowl celebration from a couple years ago. But this is uh, a person who graduated from a, a reputedly good theological seminary. Allegedly, it was a, some co-pastoring going on, and one of the women who was the pastor and the other pastor, they came out in jerseys of the opposite teams playing football. And there's that picture of the guy. He's holding the, holding the football, uh, and she's running to kick the, the Bible. There's a Bible in a case, and the Bible was the football. I don't know what they were trying to, to demonstrate, but I kind of wish that he'd done like Lucy and Charlie Brown and just pulled that football away and then let her go. But um, churches have to do things like this To keep people in the pews, to entertain, because people that don't know the Lord, they got to keep them coming, and they're not going to come. People that know the Lord will come to hear the word, to look at God's word, to grow. And he says, listen, you're incapable of hearing. You're obviously not of God the Father because you can't hear my word. John 10, 27, that we'll get to in our sermon series uh, later on in a couple, couple weeks or so. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And therefore, he says, you are of your father the devil. Yes, it is possible to be religious. Yes, it is possible to be a religious leader and have the devil for a father. Verse 44, Jesus goes on to say, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I thought about that, and I thought, but this must be a different translation because doesn't it say something about him sitting on a throne of lies? I said, no, that's that Christmas movie. But I know they got it from this, uh, where where Buddy the Elf tells the fake Santa Claus, you're sitting on a throne of lies. Satan sits on his throne of lies, a liar from the beginning. And he says, you people who are entrusted with the scriptures, you people who are supposed to be uh, saying, good, the Messiah has come. Everything we do in the temple with the, sacrifices of, of the, the perfect lamb without spot and, spot and blemish. All of these things from the beginning that you initiate, you should have been like John the Baptist and say, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Instead, you're just trying to kill me and get me out of your way. So we've seen some characteristics of those who are of their father the devil. How do people think and act who have God for their Father? Verses forty five through forty seven. This is this is the, the good part and the better part. This is our part. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Christians obviously then do. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Nobody. Christians don't convict Jesus of sin. They don't there's no sin you can pin on him. Uh, he was sinless. He was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Yet he took our sins upon himself. He says, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Christians believe. Listen listened to a podcast this morning when I woke up in the middle of the night and, and uh, went downstairs, and, and it was an interview with a man who'd come from, it's like a scientific genius, come from atheism, and he talked about what it was like when his twin brother uh, at Northwestern uh, talked to Christians and got saved. And then he was over at Yale and then Harvard and then someplace. He was like a, a genius, genius guy. But they were talking about the faith. And what did he say? He said, finally, I started to believe God. Uh, this section on whoever is of God, here's the words of God. And he said, I realized it was, he said, I appreciated the intellectualism of the Christian argument and there is an intellectual element to the Christian argument it makes sense he said at first I just said I didn't realize Christians had answers for these things that were my questions he said I had developed this biblical worldview and it was people need to be good churches need to tell people to be good and that's the worldview." all of a sudden I realized there's a, a a logic to this Christianity It's the only thing that makes sense, but there's also more. There's the relationship with God that comes along with it. And you're hearing the words of God. That uh, Greek uh, hearing is, is more than just the audible hearing that you heard words. It's the hearing, the understanding, the incorporating, and the living it. Whoever is of God hears the words of God couple quick applications, and we're going to get to the Lord's table. Uh, first of all, I would I would just say this. In sharing the gospel, don't go out to every non-Christian you meet in the midst of your argument, uh, and you're, you're defending Christ, and you're talking about the Lord. Don't stop in the middle if you run out of words to say and say, oh, I'll use Jesus' words. You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> um, uh, there's a big debate going on. You know, Why didn't Jesus say this to some and to others? Are they of their father the devil? Uh, that's not your, your, your best way uh, to convey the truth. Uh, Jesus did say it, but he said it in this context to these people. You can say that these people in the text were of their father the devil. And uh, you can go farther if you want and think about the ramifications for those who don't know the Lord. But that's... Uh, Uh, Jesus' treatment of of the ordinary people who he was drawing to himself was to tell them of their need for salvation, that they were sinners, they needed to repent, and to present himself as the one who provided salvation, as the only one. Second, application. Back to what our deacon said at the start of of this morning I led off with, but here's a quote. Uh, This is from R.C. Sproul's bunch. God is much greater than we are, So he is able to do things that we could never, ever do, such as being sovereign over the devil without ever being guilty of the devil's evil. Knowledge of this truth should not only move us to glorify the Lord, but also to be confident that every tragedy we meet will serve a good purpose when all is said and done. If you are going through a difficult time, know that God is using it for your good, even if you cannot see it now. A hymn we didn't sing, but on reflection I should have included. A Martin Luther uh, song says this uh, in one of its verses. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. And finally, I alluded to it earlier, to hear the word of God to be God's daughter, to be God's son, to hear the word of God is to respond to the word of God in a positive way. To forsake all, to take up your cross and follow. Paul said, I die daily. To believe into Christ, not lip service and not just head knowledge, but a forsaking of your old sinful self and a dependence on God. And I would just say, Repent and believe the gospel. You say, well, I've already done that. Well, good. Brother, good sister. I'm glad you are saved. And I'm going to still say, repent and believe the gospel. Jesus died for you. Jesus paid your price. And Jesus is still stronger than any devil He's stronger than any um, balance sheet or ledger. He's stronger than any doctor's report. And whatever God has for you, he will deliver you. And where are we going? Well, we're going to a place that he's prepared for us. We're heaven bound. No devil there. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for these dialogues that that Jesus had when he was here in the flesh. Thank you that they were recorded and preserved for us and given to us um, uh, by your inspiration. Thank you that we have a Bible that we can trust and believe in. And thank you for the comfort you give us through that. But we know it's because of what Jesus did for us. So we thank you for the Christian lives we get to live. We pray for those who are not Christians yet that they would uh, be saved, that they would experience the joy, the um, sometimes happiness, that they would experience the uh, perspective, uh, the meaningfulness of of a life that is Christian. They would come to know you. That they would be of knew that they would say my Father is God and that it would be true. In Jesus' name, amen.